beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. people thank you and welcome to chronicles abroad my name is francis and i'm nubia today we have a fabulous show for you we are sitting with renee adolfi renee was a psychotherapist who held a private practice in the washington dc area but at the age of 35 she decided to give up her practice sell her home and her car and decided to travel to india she then found her way to south america just wanted to learn more about herself as well as learning alternative healing practices to work with her clients Renee then moved to Brazil after a year of traveling, where she studied transpersonal psychotherapy, tantra therapy, and shamanism. Renee has lived in the tantra commune for two years and spent substantial time in the Amazon working with plant medicine. She's also a Reiki master and ordained minister. Thank you, Renee, and welcome to the show. We're excited to talk to you. What an introduction. Tell me about Girl, it. Girl, what haven't you done? I know. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> I was like listening to that. I was like, oh my God, who is she describing me? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So Renee, what was going on in your life that you decided to just get up and leave your private practice? Because that's big. Yeah, you know, so it's interesting. So I always knew that I wanted to be a therapist. Like I, I, I never thought of doing anything else. You know, even from high school, college, I've always had my friends come to me and talk to me about their problems. And so right after college, I went ahead and started working in the field. Um, I took a year off. Then after working in the field, doing counseling with at-risk girls, youth, I went on to get my master's and then opened up my, my private practice early on at around 21, 22. I'm thinking uh, around 25. Sorry, I opened up my private practice. So for 10 years as a private practice, I started seeing similar patterns. So the same patterns. And I, I kept seeing that people were stuck. I worked predominantly with women who were having the same issues in relationships with intimacy problems. They kept coming in and, you know, I was working with them. I was helping them. I was doing a lot of group counseling and, and they loved it. I loved it, but it just felt like but they weren't getting over the hump. They weren't changing. And one of my clients came in and she was telling me that she read the Eat, Pray, Love book and that she really could resonate with Elizabeth Gilbert. So I decided to read the book so I can understand my client better. And when I read the book, I was like, oh my God, this is what I need to do. <laughs> and so after reading the book, I was like, okay, I'm going to leave and travel so that one, I could also work on myself because I too was in this kind of like thing where I was having my relationship issues and I knew where they stemmed from because I also was seeing a therapist. And so, you know, as a psychotherapist, we all have to see psychotherapists as well. Just a lot of stuff that's, that's coming, you know, where we're getting a lot of things from different people. And interesting thing was when I went into therapy, I didn't, seek to work with women and relationship issues. My goal was really to work with kids, but that's what kept coming to me. And so 
I had to work, right? I had to eat. So I started working with these women. What you notice when you start working in a field, you start getting people for things that you yourself need to work on. So it was a growing experience for me as well as for my clients. And I began to like really dig deeper and learn more about relationships um, stuff. I started reading different books, you know, practicing different things so that I can help my clients. And so after reading the book, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a year off really to work on myself as to be able to help my clients even better to get over that hump. And so when I went to India, I decided to do India first. And I just really just stayed in ashrams, learning how to meditate, do yoga, um, different types of meditations, and really just work on myself, you know? And so through the course, that's how I end up from, from there. After India, I decided to do really three months in India, nine months in Argentina. And that just kind of didn't happen that way. The nine months in Argentina ended up me being Argentina three months, Peru three months, Ecuador three months, Colombia, then Brazil, where I ended up living. It's just kind of, I just kind of started going with that flow and just really following life where it took me. And so when I went to Brazil, I first started learning about shamanism and not really Brazil, throughout South America. Uh, the shamanism started coming to me. I started hearing about different plant medicines such as ayahuasca, San Pedro. And San Pedro is a cactus that they drink in Peru, Ecuador, and Colombia, where it really works on opening up the heart and the heart chakra. So I was like, okay, so since this is what I'm trying to work on, let me drink that. So that's what I started with. And it was actually beautiful, a beautiful experience where in my very first session with San Pedro, this happened in Peru and Cusco. I was working with a woman from South Africa. And in that session, I was like, okay, I want to work on my relationship issues. And so what happened, there was another man who was there who actually channeled my father who had passed away the year before. And so this man knew nothing about what I wanted to focus on. And when my father came to him, he started telling me all of these things that I needed to hear about what was going on in my relationships and why I'm having the issues. And I just, and the man had actually said to me, you need to make yourself vulnerable. I was like, what? And then, you know, and then after he started channeling these messages, I just started crying, crying, crying. And so it's so funny because just today I was writing um, just before this interview, updating my, uh, for my YouTube video, I was talking about how to increase intimacy and connections. And that's one of the things that I was talking about being vulnerable because we grow up learning that we have to protect ourselves and guard ourselves. And if you make yourself vulnerable, we might get hurt. And so that was one of the things that I had grew up with, you know, not being able to share and open up. And I remember being in relationships, people would say my, you know, my partner would say, Oh, I don't know how you're feeling. I don't know what you're thinking, you know? And so that was the key piece. And in that San Pedro um, session, that was the big thing that came out. So with, let's, let's hop on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I think as women we do have issues with is being what I like to be called naked. Mm -hmm. Being vulnerable. Because we are afraid of being rejected or turned down and those kind of things harbor inside and fester. Yes. So... When you were told that you need to be vulnerable, how did you kind of get through those processes? Or what would you say to a woman to help her learn how to be more vulnerable? So um, that's an excellent question. Really, it's about just knowing and trusting the person that you're in a relationship with. And when you're in a relationship, just kind of seeing how he or she is responding to you. And then when you can have that trust, just really being open with, with that person. So sometimes our partners might complain and say, oh, you snapped or you're bitchy or this is going on. Well, when that happens, when you snap, you say, take a moment and just say, can I be real with you? 
I was feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling overwhelmed because of work or I'm feeling overwhelmed because I have this child and I'm not sure if I could be a good mother. You know, whatever it is that you're feeling and just opening up. And that person is going to say, oh my God, I didn't understand. I didn't know you were going through all of that. I didn't know you were feeling all of that. You know, they're going to support you more. And that really just helps to improve the connection, the intimacy in that relationship. You know, and so the first time I did that, you know, when I was, I was in the, after learning all of this, I was in this relationship and my partner, he said to me, oh my God, thank you for sharing. You know, now I understand how you're feeling. And I just, I remember feeling so warm inside and I was like, oh, this is good. I can share. Yeah. And so, and I was like, wait a minute. He didn't laugh at me. He didn't get upset. He didn't say, oh, you're stupid or you're weak. You know, all of these fears that I had inside of my, uh, my head, you know, so it reaffirmed that it is okay to actually say what you're feeling or what you need. And that's a great point because I think that a lot of us are so afraid and that fear keeps us from doing so many things, right? Even leaving what we consider quote unquote home or what's familiar, Mm -hmm. even if it is letting somebody know how you truly feel, because how many times do you really ask somebody, how are you? And they're like, I'm fine, but Mm -hmm. they really may not be fine. Right. Right. You know, so that's a good point that just being able to express how you feel mm-hmm. can open up so many lines of communications. There's so many opportunities. Yeah. And it's so interesting that my father came to me in that because he was an example. When you just said that, when we would go out and someone would say to him, how do you feel? He would say, well, today I'm actually not feeling well. You know, I didn't sleep well last night. And I would hear him say that. And I'm like, and, you know, as a kid, I would say, well, I don't know if they really want to know all of that. Like, why are you saying all of that? But he he was actually a good role model of being vulnerable, actually saying what you feel. You know, and so so I actually saw that I had that role model, but still society and from everything else, I, you know, because I grew up in Brooklyn and you have to be hard in Brooklyn. You have to be tough. Like you can't you can't cry. You can't, you know, because those kids, they will eat you alive. So even though I had that great role model as my dad, I was in this public school where these kids were just tough. So I, I created this shell. I created this barrier. And so, you know, my work with Tantra actually helped me to be able to open up and release that barrier. So between the shamanism and Tantra, it really was just something that just really helped me to learn how to soften up and, and, and connect to my divine feminine, which is being able to share how you feel. And I learned that that was actually a strength and not a weakness. Yeah. So mm-hmm, and a lot of us, we think that it's a weakness. We think that um, we can't open up and be vulnerable because it's a weakness. We're going to get hurt. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. A lot of psychotherapy and a lot of therapists tend to, and there's a place for all of that, obviously. You know, my background's in social work. But the thing is that kind of practice tends to separate the mind, the body, and the soul. And so what I like that you're doing is you're integrating yes. all that because you can't separate it all. It all is interconnected. Mm-hmm. I was actually listening to Super Soul today and Oprah's going through the whole New Earth book by mm-hmm. Eckhart Tolle. And she was talking about how growing up and how you know she would get physically disciplined and how she was told not to cry and not to do yes. all these things. And what happens is, and the whole chapter was about pain body. 
and how if we don't allow that pain at that moment to resolve itself, to come out, we hold it in our bodies. Yes. So the body work that you're doing is so important and people don't realize how much of that trauma, how much of that experience is being held in parts of their body and how it's playing out into their relationships, into their selves. Exactly. So you doing the work and a lot of people, you know, there's some people are skeptics about the whole shamanism, tantra thing and everything else. And that's totally okay. But at the end of the day, when you have gut issues and when you have throat issues, it's all connected to that all pain body, mind body. Yes. And our bodies have cellular memory. So not just from those those little things. Look, they're not little, sorry. Just from those things um, that you mentioned, our body is also holding on to the trauma and pain from our ancestors, from our parents. So just from if your parents were abused or um, traumatized, that stays in our bodies. So you have to do the work. And that was the missing piece that I found with from doing the psychotherapy for my, even just for myself and with my clients. And that's one of the things that I love about Tantra and shamanism. And each person has to find what works for them. There's so many different things, you know, just dancing could be a great body work, you know, but with the Tantric practice, we do a lot of active meditations where you're shaking and you're moving. We do tantric massage where you're actually releasing. And so that's why it's a good complement to the traditional talk therapy. Well, let's try this first. Mm -hmm. Let's, well, talk to us as if we are like completely unaware of what Tantra is. Mm -hmm. Can you give our audience a little background of what the whole tantric practice is about? Now, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Yes. Yeah. So Tantra basically means a weave of connections, right? Everything is connected, just like you were saying earlier. And um, Tantra is a practice of being in a, in a full relationship with life. It's a living connection with what is, opening up to yourself, your senses, your awareness, your emotions, being completely present in this moment, experiencing reality from that place of openness. And so it's been a way, a path to enlightenment. And so the Tantrics have really worked on many different techniques such as yoga, meditation, to really completely fully be aware and present in this life and being able to feel pleasure in all areas, in your senses, your emotions, through touch, through sight, through what you're eating, through what you're feeling, you know, and and really learning how to connect with yourself, who you are, who you truly are. And it creates this merging of body and spirit. And so when you work with the practice of Tantra, life truly turns on, you know, and so do we. And so that's the beauty of it. And so I never felt like I was truly living life until I lived in this Tantra commune. You talked about the commune. I lived in the commune for two years. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, as well as one of the best things I've ever done in my life. You know, because living in the commune, we really had to, I had to do work meditation, what they call it. So I was working four or five hours a day. I couldn't talk. I had to be present, working hard. And they would 
you know, they were really like, it felt like a military kind of regime, right? <laughs> they would be like, this have to be spotless. You have to have eagle eyes and, you know, you have to notice everything and make sure. So I'm like cleaning and the food had to be the best. And so I was a person who just wasn't at, before, I wasn't that observant. And so it really challenged me in that sense, having to be observant. I, I had, to, everything had to be spotless. I had to be completely aware of everything that I was doing. I had to wake up at 6.30 in the morning to do yoga. Then we would meditate again after working at 5 p.m. in the afternoon, then again at 9.30 at night. Then you would get to bed by 11 and wake up at 6.30. So it was like this, but everything was just preparing me to really be conscious, aware, and the meditations and the yoga was helping me to learn about my body, learn about myself, you know, what challenged me, what, what I loved, what felt good, what didn't feel good. Okay. And if it didn't feel good, why? And, you know, what can I do with those emotions? And those are valuable questions because we don't ask ourselves enough of those questions and those types of questions on a daily basis. And we need to check in with ourselves on a daily basis, even on a weekly basis. Like, well, you know, how did things go? How did this happen? Because what happens when we don't do those sorts of things, we find ourselves in situations that are very unpleasant. Exactly. And so we do have the power to do that. And some people are at the point in their lives where they're ready to receive that kind of information. And mm-hmm. some people aren't. And that's okay because everybody's on different journeys. Uh, so I wanted to talk more about sort of the shamanism work that you do. We had somebody here uh, on the podcast back in season one who was a shaman. Uh, so, But tell us a little bit how you do that work and how do you incorporate it? And also how do you um, get people to kind of buy into it? Or maybe you don't have to. Maybe they just come with an open mind. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not big on, you know, trying to get people to buy into it. I think if people come to me and they they start to ask questions, then I'll explain the work and just really choose what I decide to work with them on based on, on what they're going through and what they need. So for me specifically, there's many different types of plant medicines that really work on getting you to face your fears, open up the heart. There's a many different things. There's medicine wheels through, through shamanism. There's journeying. I do a lot of journeying which is very similar to my work with rebirthing. And that's basically, it's almost like a regression. So the person is kind of laying down, they get into a very relaxed state and I use drums or um, what is that instrument called? I I forget it in in English because I'm used to saying it in in Portuguese, maraca. It's like this uh, rattle, it's a rattle. (laughs) So I use these different instruments and breath work and just kind of talking to them to take them in this journey where they can see what's going on in their life. It could be, they could go to a past life. They can go into a future life. Many different experiences can come in. Sometimes they see soul contracts that, that were written in past lifetimes that's affecting them in this current lifetime. And so, you know, through doing the journeying, we see what needs to be work on and worked on in this current lifetime. And we can rewrite the contracts and those different things like that. So Renee, mm-hmm. let's take it back a little bit more. All right. How did travel become a part of this process because you you gave up everything in the states and decided to take it abroad yeah what was that decision about well so I never really decided to take everything abroad I was really just going to do a year sabbatical to work on me and go back to the states (laughs) that's what I thought I was going to do and so when I was in the states I just had a traditional psychotherapy practice but since I I traveled the world I learned that there's so much more and I felt like in my traditional practice that it limited me and it limited the work that I can do with my clients because there's just so many um it's so fear-based 
and there's it's not open. And so I would have clients who would come to me and they would say, oh, they had this experience where they saw something or they heard something. And in the traditional practice, you're automatically, oh, that's that you're um, psychotic. You're hearing voices. You need to go to a psychiatrist and get on medication. Whereas there's so much more to that. People actually do have connections to their ancestors. They do have connections and maybe hear things from their intuition or from, from their guides. So it's not that cut and dry that you're psychotic and you need to be on, on medicine. So I learned these different things as I was traveling and I became more open. I learned different techniques that could work for different people. You know, of course, Yes, there are some cases where there are people who are psychotic, but there are also people who have different abilities where they can connect to different different mediums. And those are gifts that they have. And so they have to learn how to nurture that and know that they are not crazy. And so from traveling through different countries, I opened up my mind and I learned that yes, there are so many different things that we that we can't that can't be explained that we don't know about. And so. That's when um, once I started learning these different things through shamanism and Tantra and energy work, I could not go back to that traditional practice that I once had. I couldn't see myself going back to living in the U.S. where, you know, it's sex negative. Everything is closed. There's, you know, they're closed minded. They're, they're not as open to these different things. And so that's when I started. I decided to stay abroad in Brazil specifically and start working there with these different tools that I started learning, you know, between studying transpersonal psychotherapy in Salvador, between Reiki energy medicine that I that I learned and I was doing between shamanism and Tantra. And so my practice just became more expanded. I love that because it's not one size fits all. Exactly. It really isn't. It's not. And- and that's one of the things, because when I was in social work, uh, you know, I burned out. I was talking about my story, how I burned out and kind of moved away from it pretty quickly. Well, not quickly because I was in the field for a little bit, but because of that, because it was just I couldn't reconcile the fact like the service that was being provided was missing something. It was missing something. And so I love that you're integrating all of these practices to really give people a more holistic solution to some of the things that they're struggling with. Yeah. And that's exactly what I do. If someone comes to me and they need the traditional psychotherapy, okay, I can do that because I won't force my beliefs onto someone else, you know? So if somebody's coming and they want energy work, we'll do that. If they're more open, then we can do some stuff with shamanism, rebirthing, tantra, whatever, whatever it is that, that, that's needed. Um, it's a good mix. And so I just love my work right now. <laughs> I love it. I can feel it in your voice. So you've been in Brazil for a while now. Tell us about living in Brazil, what that has been like for you. Sorry to interrupt, guys, but we have some amazing news to share. We are launching our From Novice to Nomad, the ultimate blueprint to moving abroad course, where we're literally going to walk you step by step into the moving abroad process. Yes. And so we meet you where you are in your journey. So make sure to pre-enroll now. Grab your seat while you can. Link will be in the show notes. So we look forward to seeing you guys. Yeah. So Brazil is, it's unexplainable. (laughs) I say that everyone has to go there. and, and, And this is why I actually started bringing women to Brazil every year on retreat. So when I lived in Brazil, Brazil is a very spiritual place. It's not easy at all. It's not, it challenged me uh, and it made me grow. So um, you know, Alicia Keys had that song, New York, like if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. I say if you can make it in Brazil, specifically Salvador, you can make it anywhere. 
it's challenging because nothing happens on time. When you're coming from the States, you know, you say, okay, let's meet at, at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock there might mean tomorrow at 1 p.m. You know, they don't respond to email. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so and so, you know, you're used to being in this fast paced world where everything happens when you expect it on your time. So when you go there, you learn that time really doesn't exist. Things are going to happen. And they're going to happen when they're supposed to be. And it's going to be great. <laughs> so you learn to really just relax and not stress. Because I used to be very high stress, a very type A person, you know. And I'm a Virgo, so I'm a perfectionist. And so when I went to Brazil, it's like either you got to throw all of that out the, out the water or else you're just not going to survive. Like, But that's so true, though. I mean, let's, let's just hop on that yeah. part right there. It's, it's going to happen, happen regardless. regardless. And whether you stress <laughs> You know, right. just trust, trust the, process. the process. And you worrying about something and getting upset is not going to make it happen any faster. So I had to learn, nope. okay, just relax, just breathe. It's going to happen and just trust the process, you know. And one of the things that I loved about Brazil, synchronicities happen. So, you know, it's that all about that trusting the, the process. You're going to meet people that you need to meet, even if you didn't even think you needed to meet that person. And so things just kind of happen like spiritually, like organically, organically. That's the word I was looking for. And so it's just like, wow, it's just, it's just beautiful, beautiful. The energy there is great. It's just a magical place <laughs> that everything happens that needs to happen. And you learn how to just, you learn how to slow down. Oh, and the best part is it's fun <laughs> and people know how to live life. Yeah, because you were saying you, they, they like they jump drums in the streets and they're just yes. always just alive. Always alive. So you can be walking and next thing you know, people are playing the, the drums, the tambour. I think that's what you call it in English. I'm forgetting these English names for these, these things. The tambourine. And so they're playing it. And if you get stressed out, you just walk to the beach. You sit on the beach for five minutes and all of your worries go away. You know, and so I loved learning about the, the culture of Brazil. They have these different orishas, which are goddesses and gods that stand for different things. And the water god is Imanja. And so they talk to you about just going and giving your worries away to Imanja. And so that's just what that means is going and talking to the water. And I've actually done it when I was sad, when I was stressed. And I go and I talk and just it, it feels better. You know, so it's just a beautiful thing. Beautiful culture. Yeah. Wow, it sounds amazing. So talk to us about, a little bit about your retreats and sort of what you do with the women there. And I know, is this the second one that you're having this year? Yes. Okay, Yes, awesome. it's the second one that I'm having this year, April 13th to the 21st. And I'm happy to say there's only two slots left. We bring 15 women um, because we want it to, we don't want it to be too big, you know, so we want it to have to still be kind of intimate where people can really work on themselves and have fun and make really lasting connections. So I bring these women, uh, women of color specifically, because it's a it's an opportunity for them to really learn more about their culture and the history. Because Brazil was the um, actually brought the largest amount of enslaved people to that country from Africa. So even more than the U.S. And so in Brazil, they have actually held on more closely to that African culture. So when I bring the women of, of color to Brazil, they actually get to 
participate in different ceremonies. You know, I take them to different ceremonies, such as the condom lay, where they can actually see what that culture is, to see a religious or spiritual ceremony where they're connecting to the different goddesses, where they're connecting to the elements, to the nature, and really become part of that and learn about the different orishas, the goddesses like Imanja of the sea, you know, Oshun of the river and lakes. And Beyonce really does a lot with Oshun, you know, who who was the color yellow, Imanja is the color blue. So, you know, so it's coming more and more in the U.S. culture too, through Beyonce and different people, Erica Badu, different things like that. But being able to have these women immersed in that culture and that and that history. And so I take them, I take them to Pelodino in Bahia, where they really can see the energy there, feel the energy, see different people that look like them and have different experiences than, than we had and just really learn about that. Then we go into the retreat part. Oh, they get to go to the beaches as well and, and experience the food. The food um, is really rich in flavor. They have like mokeka, which is a, a stew made from with the dende oil, the palm oil and shrimp or fish or even vegetables. Then I take them into the retreat part where we're really working on connecting to their bodies and themselves. And I'm using uh, sacred sexuality and tantric exercises to really get them to release the traumas and blockages that's in their bodies through the movement, through shaking, through ovarian breathing, which is uh, a breath work to really help you to open up and release whatever traumas that's in the pelvic area, in the ovaries and uterus. Because women, we have a lot and we're doing a lot of movements with the pelvic area to really release a lot. So um, it's just women, they come, they leave Brazil feeling a connection to themselves, connection to Africa, even though they haven't been to the continent because it's so close. And we call Brazil we call Bahia specifically Little Africa. So they feel that connection. They feel like they've done some real true work and healing on themselves where they can go back to their regular lives and really just be more connected, more open, more whole, you know, and just more at peace. And they have learned to be able to really just take a moment and be able to breathe and relax. And they, they learn real true techniques that they can bring home to not be so stressed and allow themselves to just, you know, be in that daily hustle in that moment in that moment and that's that's huge because a lot of people sometimes they go to these things and then they don't know how to reincorporate a lot of what they've learned into their everyday lives so that's great that you give them techniques and things so that they can actually continue to do the work on their own mm-hmm, yeah. but the thing about it is when we talk about women we are such beautifully complex creatures mm-hmm. in the sense of the resiliency, the amount of things that we hold on to and still fight through, right? Right. I think we're one of the strongest creatures on this earth. But with that said, do you feel like travel specifically can help release a lot of that as well? Like what has travel, how can I put it? I, I think I understand. Like how, how, what has travel done just itself to release the, the traditional like, stress or you know traditional mindset all of that all of that yeah thank you yeah (laughs) you're welcome so um i would say even without having done all of this other stuff the tantra the shamanism just traveling itself has made a difference in my life because i've met so many different people who have different mindsets than me and so when you're in the States, like New York, for example, I'm from New York, from Brooklyn, right? We have this mindset where you don't need to go anywhere because New York is like the, the best place ever, you know? So a lot of Americans actually don't travel outside of the U.S. a lot. A lot of Americans don't even own a passport. 
So when you begin to travel, these other people in other countries, they all have a passport. So in the States, we have this mindset, everything about the U.S., because the news is just feeding us just about the U.S. So we don't really know about anything else or other countries or anything else. So when you actually travel, you actually see that there is more outside of the U.S. There are other ways of thinking things. There's other ways of perceiving things. You know, you start to learn about yourself. You start to learn about others and other cultures. So even just traveling and then if you go back to the U.S., you're going back to the U.S. with a completely different mindset. And so you begin to see the world differently. You begin to respond and act differently based on the different experiences that you have. And so you cannot truly know yourself if you don't travel the world, because when you travel the world, you go through different challenges and you begin to learn yourself. So, for example, my my year of traveling, when I traveled throughout um, India and South America, my money ran out and I don't come from a rich family. You know, I, I didn't have a rich background. I worked three jobs just to save money so I could do that travel. And it ran out and I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? And I began to learn how resourceful I am. I started working in this one farm where I started doing farming stuff. I never even knew how to do farming stuff, but I learned how to do it so I could be able to survive. I ended up doing exchange in a hostel where I worked as a bartender in a hostel and in exchange for staying in the hostel for free. I actually worked in a nice hotel and I became an artist. They needed someone who could design and just really draw. And I learned how to do it like at that moment. I was like, okay, I could do this. <laughs> and I got to stay at the, ho- at the hotel for free doing that. So you become creative and you become resourceful. And I would have never known that I could do these different things had I not been in that challenge, had I not been in that experience to push myself beyond what I what I thought I could do. I love that. No, it makes perfect sense because we forget the internal resources that we have within us to get through certain challenges in life. And when you're Mm -hmm. on autopilot, which is what when you're and I don't want to just use the states as like the reference, but when you're in your comfort zone, uh, you're just always on autopilot. And so, you know, somebody else could have, you know, you run out of money, you go home, you know, you could always go home, but however you pushed through it. And at the end of it all, you became someone like the whole rebirth process. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and you realize, wow, like I could really do this. And there's a sense of self-confidence that comes from those types of challenges that we often try to shy away from. And so Mm -hmm. I think you're a perfect example of the fact that like when a challenge presents itself, tap into those internal resources and be open to those challenges because you never know at the end of all who you're going to become once you go through it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because we are the shit. We're hustlers, baby. (laughs) We're hustlers, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so true. It's so true. And Travel helps you to realize that we are the shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So where can we find you now? Because we yes. met you in town. Yes, yes. Do you travel outside of Brazil and do this work? I do. I do. So I travel all throughout South America, actually, and Europe and the U.S. So I've done a lot of workshops in Argentina. I've done in Chile. I've done in Bolivia. I have someone who's trying to bring me to Colombia to do some work. I haven't done that yet, but um, that's one there. I've been to um, Lisbon. Dublin, Ireland, Lisbon, Portugal. I've done work there. I've done work in the States. And I am actually looking at now bringing some retreats to Mexico and maybe Thailand. Who knows? Because <laughs> I'm loving it here. I can see myself yes. living in Thailand as well. Awesome. It's just amazing. So We would love to have you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. 
So I'm Chiang Mai. I love Chiang Mai. Chiang, so. Chiang Mai is an awesome place. <laughs> and I'm loving Phuket right now. The beaches are amazing here. So <laughs> living your life. I love it. So Renee, what advice do you have for folks who maybe are professionals just like you mm-hmm. who are thinking, okay, maybe I need a little bit more. Like you challenge yourself to take a year sabbatical. Mm-hmm. What advice would you provide to those who are thinking about doing that something similar, but just really hesitant and nervous? So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list, and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. Man, just do it. Because so many things will come up. Like it took me a long time. It took me a good two years before I actually did it um, because I was so nervous because I kept trying and things kept coming up. And I was like, okay, you know, my roof collapsed <laughs> and I had to spend like $10,000 to fix the roof. And like so many things just kept coming in the way. And finally, I was just like, it's never going to happen unless I just do it. So I actually just bought my ticket for December 31st, 2009. And I said, I don't care what happens. I'm leaving on that day. And it was the scariest thing that I could have ever done. And I just took that leap of faith. It's just, you know, it's taking that leap of faith. And um, everybody's situation is different. So, you know, because I had my private practice, I was able to take off a whole year. Not everybody's able to do that. But looking at your your, your circumstances, if you can start with a week, two weeks, a month, um, whatever's going to make you feel more comfortable, start start right there. Start where you are. Start with kind of with what's going to feel more comfortable to you, you know, and you can build yourself up to doing that, you know. I love that because sometimes yeah, sometimes when we decide to make a, a decision, there are going to be stuff and obstacles thrown in our way to say, "Eh, you know, don't do it, don't do it." But really the thing that you fear the most is your north star. Yes. Oh, and you reminded me, that's another thing. So many people were saying, no, you know, people that, that love you because they, they're based on their fear, right? So they'll say to you, oh, it's not going to be safe to do that. Don't do that. Then, or they'll say, well, then what will you do when you come back? A year off is, is too long. You're not going to be able to find work. So I had so many people trying to dissuade me from doing this. And so it's like, you can't listen to those people. And they're well-intentioned because they love you. And, but it's their fear that's saying to you not to do this, you know, because they've never done it. So you're going to have all these different obstacles, challenges, and you're going to have, have people telling you, no, it can't be done. Don't do it. Or, you know, saying these negative things. And it's not because they're mean spirited or they don't want it. It's they, because they love you and they're afraid, you know? So it's like, yeah, they're just scared. They're scared. Projection. Yeah, but it's always the people who haven't done it mm-hmm. that always got the most to say. Yeah. It's like, come so on, I, B. Come on, B. Yeah. I tell people all the time, don't take a relationship advice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> from somebody who's not in a goddamn relationship. Exactly, exactly. Relationship. Or at least a long-term relationship. Right. And it's so funny because... <laughs> you take it with a grain of salt. Yes. Some people still have something to say, but, you know, just take it with a grain of salt. Yes. And, you know, the thing is, it was so funny because last night was an example. I, I went to the beach last night here at 10 o'clock at night 
And I happened to call my friend, a real good friend. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm on a beach. I came here at night just for, you know, night swim to chill. And she's like, oh, my God, be careful. That's not safe. And you're by yourself. And I'm like, you know how safe it is here. And there's like other people. I'm like, that's the, the, the least thing I have to worry about. But because she hadn't been here to the beaches in Phuket, you know, at night. So, she, you know, so she doesn't know what it's like here. And so for me, I know that it's completely safe. I see all these other people here and, and I've been in Thailand for three weeks and I realize how completely safe it is, you know? So unless you've been there and you've done that, you just don't know. And you hear all of these things on the news and you hear all of these different things. So, you know, people tend to be more cautious and there's nothing wrong with being cautious, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you can feel the fear. Yeah, you can feel the fear, but you're still going to have to, at some point, do it anyway, or you just, there's never going to be any growth or progress. So, exactly. That's exactly. just the way it is. So, Renee, we have enjoyed this conversation so much and love the work yeah. that you're doing with these women. I'm like here for it. How can people find you and keep track of the future retreats that you're doing and the, all the work, wonderful work that you're doing? Yes. So through Facebook and Instagram. So Facebook, I have Renee Adolphe. That's R-E-N-E-E Adolphe, A-D-O-L-P-H-E. I also have Planned Out a Prim Facebook page, which is P-R-A-N-D-H-A-R-A, Prim, P-R-E-M. And on Facebook, I mean, on Instagram, I have Planned Out a Prim as well. And I have Sacred Sisters Soul Retreat on Facebook. And so that's predominantly for the retreat for my women of color. So that's Sacred Sisters Soul Retreat. And then, of course, my website, um, www.pranddharaprem.com. Oh, thank you so much, Renee. This was yes. awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it was really great. It was nice to be here and talk with both of I'm you. I'm coming to Brazil, by the way. You what? You come. I'm coming. Yes. I'm coming. You have place with open arms that's what's up listen i just have to say this mm -hmm. you can feel your energy through just your conversation mm -hmm. the, the amount of admiration you have for the brazilian culture and your work and your clients and your clients I mean, literally, it's a beautiful thing to see and to hear authentically, genuinely people. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I really, truly love this work and I'm excited. I'm honored to be able to do this work and share with so many people and journey with so many people. And I am honored to, to be here. Thank you for inviting me. This is beautiful. So. Yeah, thank you for sharing your <laughs> gift, Renee. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.